Well, here we are. It's the month of November. November. That means uh, there's only like uh, 55 days till Christmas. Better get started, right? 50-some shopping days till Christmas. Like that matters. But the, my point in saying that is time goes incredibly quickly. How many of y'all that just, it seems like a couple days ago it was March, and a couple days before that it was last October, and here we are November 3rd, 11-3-21. Um, there was a time that I remember that I thought if we ever got to the year 2000, we would have flying cars. It'd be like the Jetsons, you know. We would have Rosie the Robot doing all our work and we'd be flying, flying around like George Jetson and Jane, his wife, his son, Elroy. You remember that, right? But you know, it came and went and now we're 20 years past. And it, it seems like time just speeds up. Every day, every day, time speeds up. But there's some things that are just true no matter how much things change, no matter how much they get different and, and they get weird and all that, there's some things that are still the same. If you look in, I'm just going to read one scripture here to start with. This is the psalm that David wrote when the Philistines had captured him at Gath. Now, some of you will remember this, many of you won't. David got captured by the Philistines at Gath, is what it says right here. And while he was in captivity, he wrote this psalm. So I want you to remember, he wrote this psalm right here when he was in the camp of the enemy, and the enemy had him under lock and key. So he didn't look real good for him. Uh, at this particular time. Just listen, this is Psalm um, 56. It says, Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can man do to me? All day they twist my words. All their thoughts against me are evil. They gather together. They hide. They mark my steps. They lie in wait for my life. Shall they escape by iniquity and anger? Cast down the people, O God. You number my wanderings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? He wrote that while he was in captivity of his arch enemies, the Philistines. See, Goliath, if you remember historically, when David killed Goliath, you know what Goliath's full name was? Goliath of Gath, 
G-A-T-H. They captured him later. Do you think maybe they wanted revenge on him for killing their number one uh, soldier, Goliath? Yeah, probably. But you know what he said? He said, I will not be afraid. I have put my trust in my God. What can man do to me? He knew, he had a, he had a revelation that no matter what happens around him, that God has had his back and that he would protect him no matter what happened. And that's the kind of like the, the Holy Spirit's theme tonight. It, it's not actually what I'm preaching on, but everything that was going on during worship reflected that psalm. So I, I wanted to share that because that's exactly what is true today, that no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's going on, God has got your back. He will not leave you hanging. He won't drop you on your head. He's going to get you through whatever it is that you're going through. He will walk with you no matter what. Um, we're going to start off with a quick word of prayer here because I've shared with you in the past some of the things that are going on in Afghanistan, how we're, we're working with people in Pakistan and uh, we're helping people escape from, from the bad guys over there and who want to kill Christians. That's their hobby is hunting and killing Christians. And uh, the bad guys in Afghanistan are doing that. And <clears throat> we're working with a group of people in Pakistan that are helping the people from Afghanistan um, get out and away from these evil people who just want to kill them. And uh, there was particular people who were leaders. I'm being very careful what I say because I don't want to get anybody in trouble and get them hurt because who knows who's listening. Um, this is going all over the place. But there was, a lead, there was a group of leaders that were leading this um, evacuation or whatever you want to call it. And um, the, one of the main people who were leading it, they were Christian and um, they were friends of our friends and they were captured by the Taliban and killed this week. One of the main directors that were um, helping rescue all the believers out of there. Um, so far we have helped, we have, this, this church, us, we have funded the, um, the rescue of 1,740 individuals that would have certainly been killed and we've placed them into, we've placed them into res, refuge camps that we're now giving them all the supplies that they need. So far this year, I'm correct, we sent them $20,000 this week, right, Sydney? Yeah. We sent them 20 grand this week. We've been sending them thousands of dollars to there to help feed these people because now we have 1,700 people that, we're, that we've helped rescue. Now they need to eat. They need blankets. They need water, clean water, and all that. So we're funding that. But in the meantime, we, yeah, that's great. We had 1,740, but one of the guys that made all that happen they captured him and killed his wife and his children and him. He gave his life. Sometimes we're worried about whether our electric bill is too high, and this guy just gave his life to rescue people. He's in heaven today. I believe he's getting a crown, and so is his wife, and so is his, are his children. They were murdered in cold blood, point blank, unarmed by the Taliban. But you don't get to hear that on the news because nobody cares. 
in the mainstream media about the people being butchered in Afghanistan, chased down. So what we're doing is we're helping those people because they're running through the mountains for their lives. And we're helping by providing funds that would rent vehicles and helping. I can't get into all the details, but that's what we've been doing for the last six weeks ever since the August pullout when everything went to uh, you know where in a handbasket um, in Afghanistan. So this particular person that was a leader gave his life. Uh, he, he, he cost him his life. He knew going in that it would be very dangerous and he was willing to make that, make that, take that risk, but it cost him his life. And now because of what they did, the other people who are helping are all kind of pulling back going, hold it, I'm not sure I want to do this. If they're going to start killing people and killing families, I'm not sure if that's worth it. So right now we have somewhere in the neighborhood of between 70 and 90 people stranded in the mountains with nowhere to go and nowhere to help them. And they have no way to communicate and they're stranded in the mountains because they were supposed to be picked up, but the guy that was going to pick them up, well, he got killed. And nobody else is willing to go pick them up. So I need you to join with me because I don't have an answer. I just don't have an answer. Money won't fix this because it doesn't matter how much money you have. I can't get over there to do this. No, no, no amount of money can fix this. You know who can fix this? He can fix this. So we're gonna, I, need, I need you to tell you that whole story so you can understand how important this is and how I need you to agree with me in prayer as we pray for these people that are stranded in the middle of nowhere with no food and no water and we just need somebody to be able to go rescue them and get them into a safe place. There's men, women, and children, little kids, and they're out there all in the mountains. So, Father, just join with me if you would. You online, join with me. I wish I, had a, I, wish I could say, give me 10,000 bucks and we'll fix it. That won't help. Uh, we just need God to move. So, Father, in the name of Jesus... We ask that you would make a way where there is no way in the natural. When we look to this, Lord, we don't see how it's possible. But Lord, we ask you to move. We ask you to move tonight. That you would give courage to those that are hurting right now. That you'd give courage to other leaders to step up. And, and that, Father, you would blind the eyes of any guards or any drones that are spying on them, any soldiers that are sent to hurt them. We ask that you turn them back in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you for what you've done in the past. Father, you sent rocks down, and you've, you've made a way, and you've protected your people. So, Father, we ask you to do it again. Father, do it again. Father, give leaders courage to step up and to coordinate this rescue tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. And we ask you, Father, to make a way for buses to be rented, for vehicles to be rented, for guards to be blinded, for ways to be opened, for gates to be left to open. Uh, all the different things that need to happen, Father, that you would make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Father, we thank you, and we ask and we agree 
We pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Pakistan. Father, we pray for them that you would give them encouragement, that you'd give them courage, that, Father, you would turn stones into bread, that, Father, you would cause water to be clean. Father, whatever it is that they need, Father, we thank you that you cause it to, to be supplied to them now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. In Psalm 116, it says, You delivered my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. And that's, um, he's just saying, the, the psalmist again is, is saying that, I'm going to look it up. Instead of quoting it for you, I'm going to look it up and read it. Psalm 116. Bear with me as I get to Psalm 116. I wasn't planning on this one. There we go. Psalm 119 is really long. There it is. Psalm 116. There we go. For you, verse 8. Psalm 116, verse 8. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. It starts off with, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And the, the, the psalmist there is remembering how good God has been in the past. And God has been good to all of us. He's been so good to all of us. And that we just need to remember how good God has been in the past. Because as we remember how good God has been in the past, it gives us strength to face what we're going through right now. It gives us strength to say, hey, he'll do it again. And it's not just a matter of, of he has to do something um, that he's never done before. No, he just has to do what he's been doing all along, and that is being there for us. Tonight's message, as I transition out of our prayer time, tonight's message is called Easier. What's easier? Um, Jesus got in the boat. This is Matthew chapter 9. He got in the boat and he crossed over. He came to his own city. And then behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. So right away he says, Hey, be of good cheer. Your sons are forgiven. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, that's where I get my title, which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven or to say, arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled. They glorified God, who had given such power to men. So it's interesting that this particular account is recorded in three of the four Gospels. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 2, and Luke chapter 5. All three of them. It's the very same account. Three different authors, 
thought this was remarkable enough that all three of them wrote the same incident in their Gospels. Now, there's a lot of incidents that Matthew might have recorded, but John Mark didn't, who wrote Mark, and maybe that Luke didn't, okay? But there's very few that are recorded in all three Gospels. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's one. But this one is remarkable because it's recorded in all three Gospels, or three of the four. John doesn't do hardly any history in his um, there's only a few things that John writes that are in other Gospels. He has a different take on it. But the, these three are mostly factual and historical, and they're talking about particular incidences. And it's interesting that, all th that, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all recorded the same incident, and that all of them recorded exactly the same. Because sometimes, like when you talk about the demoniac of the Gadarenes, they're recorded, it was the same incident, but it's recorded just slightly different between the two Gospels. One of them saw it one way, another one saw it another way. So there's just nuances that are different. But this particular passage is identical in all three. The only thing that Matthew doesn't include, he doesn't include the fact that they went up on the roof and tore the roof apart and then they lowered them down. He, he skips that part. But the rest of it is identical. And that's interesting and it's noteworthy. So when all three of them say the same thing and they're identical in, in their recording, it's a good idea to take note. So that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm taking note and saying, hmm, what is the point? What, is they, what do they want to get across here? Why did all three of them say, this, say exactly the same thing? And one of the, the, the reason, I believe, is there's, there's some truths that are being taught here that Jesus was manifesting here when he was, when he was doing this. First thing he says is, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Now, the Pharisees didn't like that because they said only God could forgive sins. They, didn't, they, didn't, they denied the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. They, they were offended by that. And in fact, they called that blasphemy. But Jesus knew who he was, and he forgave him. He said, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Then he knew by word of knowledge what they were thinking, and he said, hey, why do you think evil in your heart? What's easier to say? And the easier part is what I want to focus on tonight. He said, what's easier? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? And I would, I would submit this to you. Both are impossible without the supernatural power of God. So there's no such thing as easy. There's no such thing as easier or harder because is anything too hard for God? The answer is no. Nothing is too hard for God. So he said, what is easier? What is easier? The point is, whether it's forgiveness of sins or healing of the body, both are provided for in the same event, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The new covenant provides for both. It provides for the forgiveness of sins, but it also provides for the healing of our diseases or the restoration of our bodies. So Jesus is saying, listen, that you might know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. He looks at the man and says, rise up and walk. And the man picked up, he stood up, picked up his bed, 
and went out the back door. Now, in that situation, Jesus said, what's easier, forgiveness of sins or healing of the body? Again, the answer is they're the same thing. They're both provided for in the same event. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ provides both. They're both part of the same covenant that Jesus said, this is the covenant in my blood. For I'm going to go through additional scriptures, and we'll go through this, but I would say that when you think about this, this is something, the easier thing is something that we think about from a human perspective. It's not from a God perspective. It's a human perspective. So he was addressing them from their humanity. He said, in your opinion, what's easier? In their opinion, it was easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can't prove one way or the other. But when you say rise up and walk, you can see whether he rised up and walked or not, right? And you can see whether he's a fraud or not just by the fact of whether he rose up and actually rose up or if he stayed down. Because if the man says, rise up and walk, and nothing happens, you know what they say? You're a fraud, right? But he could say, your sins are forgiven, and nobody knows. You can't, like, see. It's not like there's a litmus test. You turn pink or blue based on whether your sins are forgiven. So from their perspective, it was easier to say, your sins are forgiven. Because if you said, rise up and walk, everybody would have obvious proof whether you were really the real deal. <clears throat> if you were really who you said you were or if you were a fraud, it would be painfully obvious. So the question is, from a human perspective, is it easier to cure the common cold or is it easier to cure cancer or is it easier to cure HIV or is it easier to cure Parkinson's disease? And the answer is, we can't cure any of them. Medical science can't cure any of them. So I guess it doesn't matter which one you think is easier because in and of ourselves, none of them are curable. I mean, they can be treated, but none of them are really curable. So whether, whether it's Parkinson's disease or cancer or the common cold, none of it's curable. So you, that's what he was addressing. He was addressing from the humanity standpoint what is easier from your, from your human standpoint. And he was just saying, listen, that you might know that the Son of Man, he was referring to himself, has power to forgive sins. And he said, rise up and walk. And the man rose up and, and he got up and walked out the back door. That's why it's important for us to look at the whole counsel of Scripture here. Because it says in Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah 53, Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Transgressions is another word for sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That would be another, another name for generational bent or generational curses or whatever you might refer to them as. Um, maybe bad habits that are passed down from generation to generation, okay? Whether it's alcoholism or 
or anger issues. Those, are, those will be called generational bents. But he was bruised for those, okay? The chastisement for our peace was upon him. That's for peace in your mind. And by his stripes, the wounds that he received at the whipping post, the 39 lashes with the cat of nine tails that ripped his back to shreds, by his stripes, you were, past tense, accomplished work, healed. You were, we were healed. See, healing is not something that God has to do. See, we don't have to say, oh God, heal them. Oh God, do something. God did all he's going to do when Jesus went to the whipping post and he bore all of our sins, he bore all of our griefs, he bore all of our iniquities, he bore all of our sicknesses, he bore everything that ever could be, he bore it at the three places where he shed his blood. He shed his blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He sweated drops of blood, right? That was for your peace of mind. It was for your mental health. So he shed his blood for your mental health, okay? And then he shed his blood at the whipping post for healing in our bodies. And then he shed his blood again on the cross where he purchased our salvation, where he, it says in 1 Peter 2 that he bore our sins in his body on a tree. So the, the price of our sins, the price of all mankind's sins, Jesus bore in his body on the tree. It's, they were all there. Every sin that's ever been committed, every sin, past, present, future, was nailed to that cross when Jesus was nailed to the cross. Whatever it is in your past, whatever it is in your present, whatever it is in your future, it's already been paid for on the cross. Your mind, it says that it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses our hearts and minds from dead works so that we can serve the living God. See, that blood that was shed for us, it cleanses your heart and mind. So if you're having anxiety, he shed his blood to bear your anxiety for you. He, Jesus shed his blood that you would have peace in your mind. That's good news, that Jesus shed his blood he had anxiety so much that he thought he was, his soul was so vexed, it says un, almost unto death. He was under so much pressure. He had so much anxiety about going to the cross. He knew what was going to happen. It says he sweat, as it were, droplets of blood. And he shed his blood that you could have peace in your mind. So if you've got anxiety, start, th start thanking God that he shed his blood that you could have peace in your mind. Philippians 4, 6 says the peace of God will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace that passes all understanding, it actually, if you read it, it says it surpasses or goes beyond all human understanding, keeps your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 4, verse 20, it says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, my words, the word of God, they're life to those that find them. 
life, zoe, life, to those that find them, and health to all your flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now, for the word of God, it's life to those that find them and health to all your flesh. It's literally medicine. So if you've got issues in your body, get a hold of the gospels, if you will, which means Bible verses that have to do with your situation and start reading them out loud. When I had an incurable disease when I was 23 years old, I, I had holes in my colon. I was passing blood so bad that, that I was all anemic. I weighed 140 pounds, and I was 23 years old. And I started reading the Bible. And I read all the verses, and I wrote them down, every verse that said healed, healer, healing. And I wrote them all down, and I read them. I wrote them in pencil on a yellow notepad, a legal pad, because I was a CPA and that's the only paper I had. So I just wrote them down. Didn't have a computer. That was before computers. I, I, I used, you know, a, a chisel and stone, right? On tablets of stone. For all you young people, you think that's what it was? No, it was actually a pencil, a real pencil. And on paper, this stuff, not an not a iPad. And I read those every day. Three times a day, I would just read them, and I'd just read them, and I did that for weeks. And then I did something about it. I actually went to a church service and had hands laid on me, and they anointed me with oil, and I left feeling just as sick as I came. But as I kept saying, I, I believe that hands are laid on me, and I believe that I've been anointed with oil, and I believe that these words, and God just gave me a gift of faith just to stand and while I was in the restaurant, the, the, the power of God manifested in my body, and I got a brand new colon from heaven. And literally, I got a brand new colon. And you could say, oh, I don't believe that. I don't care. Fact of the matter is, I was sick and bleeding, and I ain't bled a day since. I don't care if you believe it or not. So you can doubt it all you want. Still true, okay? And if you think I'm 140 pounds now, you're right, but you got to add 100 to it. So, sorry. One day I'll be a little skinnier, maybe in heaven. But the point of the matter is, he sent his word and healed us. See, so the gospel, the word of God, it's life to all your flesh and health to your body. Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and healed us. 1 Peter 2.24 who himself bore, his, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Hebrews 9, 28, so Christ was offered once. Christ was offered once. They used to have to do an offering regularly. Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. It says he forgives all your sins or all your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. See, forgiveness of sins and healing of your body are, in, are inextricably linked throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Don't separate them because they're linked. They were paid for with the same sacrifice and that was at the cross when Jesus bore 
our sins in his body, but he also bore and paid for our healing. It was the same sacrifice. Your forgiveness was purchased. Your healing was purchased. Your peace was purchased. It's already paid for. All we need to do is receive it. See, it's already paid for. Now, in my situation, it helps, for me, it helps to use my imagination and think about these things because it makes it more real if you can just like imagine. For me, I needed a new colon, okay? You might think, what are you doing talking about your colon? Hey, if your colon was bad and it got healed, you'd talk about it. So that's what I'm doing. So, and that day in 1985, long time ago, I know, it's like they went to the warehouse in heaven and they went, and he picked out a, oh, here's one, that'll fit him. And they went, sent it down, and I received it that day in the restaurant. Supernaturally, I received literally. When I went and got checked out by my gastroenterologist, he had taken a video of the inside of my colon, and it was awful. It was all, looked like hamburger. It was all blood and awful sores and ulcers and crazy stuff. A week later, not even a week later, he did the exact same test and he said, this is what he said to me. This is the doctor, Dr. Dozeman. He's retired now in Holland. He said, you have a brand new colon. And I was like, excuse me? He says, no, I have no explanation. You have a brand new colon. This is not the same colon I saw a week ago. In a week's time, Jesus gave me a brand new colon. Now, that's I mean, that's amazing. It's 35, almost 36 years ago, okay? Now, it's still working. I don't bleed. I'm good. I don't have that, then nothing. Now, the question is, how did that happen? That happened because he purchased that 2,000 years ago on the cross at the whipping post and in the garden. He purchased your peace. He purchased your, your forgiveness of sins, and he purchased your healing. He purchased, it's all linked together. It's one package deal. So no matter what is going on in your life, whether it's anxiety or worry, whether it's physical disease, or whether you have something weighing heavy on you that you know you need to be forgiven for, Jesus has made a way for you today that is not dependent upon you being perfect because nobody's perfect, okay? But what it is dependent upon is for you to actually say, Jesus, I believe you. Jesus, I trust you, and I believe I receive what you have for me. And then you go ahead and grab a hold of those scriptures and you start building your faith. See, you don't get something because you, because you confess the verse 99 times. That's not how it works. What happens is that as you confess that verse, you know what happens? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as you confess those, those verses and as you confess those, as I call them, gospels, okay, as you confess those, what happens is you change. God doesn't change. It's not like God, how many ever went to Sunday school when you were a kid? Anybody else besides me? Anybody ever get those cards for memorizing Bible verses? 
And you'd get little cards and you'd trade in five little cards for a big card. Anybody else? And then you'd have like 10 big cards and they'd give you a Bible, right? That was me. I, I, I got like four Bibles because I just memorized Bible verses like crazy. And I'd get these Bibles, right? And I was earning it. I was all about earning stuff. That's not how it works in God's kingdom. It's not like he gives you a gold star or a little card and then a big card. It's not about that. And I, and I, I realized what they were trying to do but that produces the wrong kind of a, um, a wrong kind of a motivation. What I would rather see us do is, is realize that when you, when you confess scriptures, what happens is that your heart changes. That's what changes. It's not that God changes and He's keeping track and He's got this little hash marks, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and when you get to a hundred, then He gives you your miracle. That's not how it works. How it works is that when you confess the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the only way faith comes. Faith doesn't come by praying. Faith doesn't come by fasting. Faith comes by hearing. That's the only way faith comes. And it, the best way to hear is to hear your own voice talk about the word of God. So you start grabbing a hold of those scriptures, you build your faith, and you know what usually happens in my life is as I'm standing on it and as I'm believing God for a situation, you wake up one day and you go, it's gone. And you don't even really realize when it left, it's just gone. Whether it's a, whether it's a pain in the elbow or a, of something in your knee or, you know, I'm almost 60, so sometimes there's knees and ankles and you go, oh, you know. But thank God I'm still walking and good. But the point is, most of the time when you, when you grab a hold of the word and you start doing it, the situation resolves itself and you don't even really realize when it happened. It's just one day you realize, oh, that's gone. I remember one time one of our sons had what I believe were planter's warts on the bottom of his feet. Um, they were just these ugly growths on the bottom of his feet and they hurt. They hurt him. And he was a little kid, real small. And we just commanded, we were just cursing him, commanding him to die and get out of our son's body. And we were just doing that faithfully every day and not really checking, just cursing those things and commanding him to get out of his body and just every day just doing that. And one day, my wife takes off his socks and she goes, oh my gosh, they're all gone. And they were just all gone. And we're like, when did that happen? Don't know. We were just busy cursing them, commanding them to get out and thanking God that by Jesus stripes he's healed. Next thing we look up, they're all gone. We're like, oh, cool. They never came back either. So what I'm saying is don't get too wrapped up into, well, I'm going to do it this many times or whatever. Don't do that. Just do it every day. Just do it multiple times a day. And then one day you'll go, huh, you know what? That's just gone. And uh, it's not hard for God to manifest some kind of healing in your body. It's not hard. It's easy. It's not, just like it's not hard for God to forgive you. It's already paid for. You don't have to do anything to be forgiven. All you got to do is acknowledge that you need forgiveness and ask him to forgive you. That's all you got to do. Just acknowledge that you need it. Say, that's, there it is. See, so as you look at this, what's easier? Neither's easier. They're the same. And they both require faith. And what is faith? 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So let's, even as you receive Jesus Christ as your savior, you can receive Jesus Christ as your healer because that's one and the same. He is savior, healer, deliverer. He's your, the, the price that, whatever it is you need in your life, he's already paid the price. So whatever it is that you need, that's what he is in your life. Your provider, whatever it is, that's what he is in your life today. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the provision that you've made in our lives. Father, we thank you that you have spare parts, like you gave me a brand new Cohen. I thank you, Father, that you have spare parts in heaven that you can manifest in our bodies. If there's something that's shot in your, in your body today, I encourage you to say, thank you, Father, that you just give me a brand new and whatever it is. If they say your liver's shot, then just say, thank you, Father, that you give me a new liver. If it's your pancreas or if it's your prostate or if it's your whatever it is, or your heart, say, thank you, Father, my heart is fixed, my heart is fixed. Whatever it is, receive him not only as your savior, but as your healer today. That he has made provision for you to walk in health. Say, is it easy? No, it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It requires tenacity, and it requires you to stay in the word. So everybody, if you would, just repeat this simple prayer with me. Say, Father God, I thank you for Jesus. Those of you online, say it with me. Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his sacrifice. Come on, say it with me. Say, I thank you for his sacrifice. That he paid for my sin in his body on the tree. That I might die to sin and live for righteousness. Thank you for the stripes that he bore on his back that purchased my healing. Thank you, Father, that you manifest in my body whatever I need today. I receive Jesus as Savior. I receive Jesus as healer. I receive Jesus as provider. I receive Jesus as the Prince of Peace. In the name of Jesus, amen.